This is Rick Sloan, writer and director of Hobgoblins, and I'm going to spend the next 90 minutes trying to salvage myself from what this film has turned into over the last 20 years. Interesting story about this location. Uh, we had absolutely no permits to shoot this film, so we stole every location, and it's just a vacant parking lot, but I didn't realize until we were actually there filming. It was next door to a crack house. So there's a couple times during the night we had to take a break from filming. There was gunfire and people running and yelling. So these are things you get when you get free locations. I can do both. Hello? Hello? I always thought the actor who played Dennis looked like Beavis if they ever made a Beavis and Butthead live action movie. No, I didn't. They've already hung up. Well, then it couldn't have been too important. Don't you have any sense of responsibility? That could have been a very important call. At this hour? In the future, would you just answer the phone, no matter what hour it is, and not make your own decisions about what's important and what isn't? Yeah, yeah, right, right. It's time for our rounds. getting our money's worth out of this really wide shot I thought it was kind of cool at the time. This is funny, the sign we just took off the door said keep out. Uh, that's actually a locked studio film vault. I just put tape over the door so we could get back in later. I do cut back and forth between an actual film vault and a bank vault. A real film vault is not that interesting. Like, see that door in the background? This is just what the place looks like. It looks very much like a storage unit. And it didn't seem to have that drama of a vault door being opened. So even though they would never keep film in a bank vault, I just thought it kind of had a much better look to it. Hobgoblins was my third, and it was actually the last movie I did my own cinematography on. And I still had a little too much film school left in me. I remember being very proud of this hallway shot where the actors walk in and out of light, which, you know, I would not invest that energy a day to get a shot like this. Wait a minute, what's this down here? Oh, it's, uh, it's just an old film wall. There's nothing on it. Well, yeah, well, why don't we check it anyway? I'm telling you, there's nothing down there. The other problem was we couldn't really hide a boom microphone, and this was several movies before I could afford wireless mics, so the microphone's just taped on the wall. And we were hoping we could get the actors to stand in one spot and do all the dialogue. This is the best we could do. And remember what I said? Whatever you say. And it's funny, the actual door they come out of in the back, it's just a closet. So, particularly the shots where the actors run into it, I mean, they have about three feet before they hit a brick wall. That's where I go in the closet. And I have one more light hiding right behind the bar, so I just thought this was a really nice um, camera effect. A lot of people think I should have retaken that shot because the door swung open. I, I thought it looked good. Those really bright white walls didn't help too much. What took you so long? 
This character is one of the scenes that was edited out of the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of the film. So a lot of you are probably seeing it for the first time. Why didn't you answer the phone? I must have caught it just as you hung up. Originally, I had tried to get John Carradine to play the old man who ran the movie studio. Uh, it was probably the last two or three years of his life, and I had offered him $3,500 for half a day's work, but his agent wanted him to play McCready and wanted $8,000, and I just, you know, didn't think for a film like this, you know, 8000 was a good chunk of our budget. Uh, so no, we did not go with any name actors in this film. This is another scene I was a little too carried away with the cinematography. Uh, I'm very fond of color gels and a lot of my early films. Visitance, which was shot a year before Hobgoblins, the two colors were red and turquoise. So for Hobgoblins, it's magenta and green, and you will see those two gels over and over and over throughout the whole movie. Green in particular, whenever there's a, a puppet scene that's going to be coming up. This vault door was several hundred pounds, so the couple scenes where you see the actors opening it, there's four crew people on the floor helping them along. It was so heavy. I always like the musical score to Hobgoblins. That actual cue you just heard, I remember the composer telling me that was a super ball rubbed across the um, wires inside a piano. I was trying to build some level of suspense here, which, you know, considering the cheesiness of this movie, I don't know if it comes off exactly as suspenseful. It comes off as pretty corny at this point. Somebody there? Getting our money's worth out of that sound effect of puppets growling. Somebody there? And of course, this is the exact same room we use as Fantasia's office, so yeah, that naughty pine wall did not lend itself to being a multiple location. This was actually the second version of this scene we had shot. Originally, uh, one of the hobgoblins comes out and bites Dennis on the neck. And even though we're only five minutes into the movie, the puppet was so cheap looking. I remember looking at the dailies and going, there's no way I'm gonna put a bad special effect this early into the movie. So we went back and we shot this scene. It's the hardest of all the fantasies to understand. He's trying to imagine he's a rock star. And of course we were too cheap to hire any extras. So, you know, I was just having fun with that star filter on the lens, but yeah, a few extras wouldn't have hurt. And here's McCready to the rescue. I always like this one shot where he falls. There's that weird thing that you don't actually hear him hit the floor because I took it out. Of course, there's tape marks on the floor. That's one of the embarrassments that all my films have is that we never remove the tape marks. Not sure why we did the effect that his head was bashed in on the side. I guess that's where he hit the floor, but it was shot before we did the other scene, so we just got kind of lucky at match. 
Uh, there's four more people pushing that vault door closed. You'll notice on this version of the film, which I actually use the audio from the foreign release, it does have a few extra sound effects thrown in, like the growl over the title card. I was always fond of the music that goes up in the main credits. It had a little bit of a Haunted Mansion and Disneyland sound to it. Wayne Whitaker later did Pulp Fiction. This was his first movie, and you know, not a film he's particularly fond of today. A lot of people ask me what happened to the Fontenelles. Uh, they were a band that never got a record deal, so this movie is kind of their one claim to fame. And much like some of the actors, they're mortified by the film today. Getting our money's worth out of that big establishing shot. This guy had a problem with his eye line. I mean, I would show him where it is, and he would just freeze and stare at it. Like he was, you know, glaring at the, you know, the way you would look at a dog and have a staring contest. So he never really has the look like he's talking to anybody. He just looks, you know, kind of that Ross Perot quality. It's three, and I really don't think you need to hire anyone else. I can run the post myself. Look, you've been here for a long time. You know as well as I do that we need to have a second guard ready so he can fill in for you if you can't make it here some night. I've never missed a night since I've been here. You're not as young as you used to be. We need to be prepared. Do you know that if something were to happen to this studio while no one was on duty, our insurance is voided? This place has been now there is the irony on that one line. Stop. It is establishing the ending already that if no one's on duty, our insurance is voided. So, you know, it's going to be a real tragedy when that bomb goes off in the last five minutes. I'll hire two. So, Kevin, is this the Here we meet Kevin for the first time. Yes, sir. But I'm a very He was never comfortable playing this character as wimpy as it was written, but, you know, it does have a lot of comic effect because it's just so overdone. sound very mature for you. You don't own one of those portable radios. was never particularly certain what that kiosk was for. I guess it was just where the parking attendant would be. Uh, of course it was locked shut, but I just glared a light through it and you wouldn't really know. Are you ready for your first tour of the lot? Oh, oh yes, sir. Uh, even prepared to take notes. <laughs> it's not that complicated. Bargain walkie-talkies. I mean, I think they're a Radio Shack brand. A lot of my earlier films, to save time, I just use the same camera setups over and over for different scenes. So, yeah, this entire scene, you're going to notice the exact same camera setup with every shot Dennis was in. How long have you been working here? Oh, quite a while. About 30 years, actually. And I have never missed a day and had to have someone fill in for me. 30 
years. It's amazing. Well, not really. You know, time becomes sort of a blur when you reach a certain age. Sometime I'll tell you what this place was like when it was still a functioning studio. I'd like to hear about that. I think I may have moved the camera one foot to the left and varied it just slightly. Now, Kevin, if I told you that something was very important, you'd listen to me, wouldn't you? Of course. Now, there is a part of this lot that I want you to stay away from. I don't want to have to explain all the details to you. I just want you to promise to stay clear of it. I understand. Now, this is the part I was telling you about. Down there. Oh, it's just a lot of dangerous machinery. Now, don't go in there and take a chance of injuring yourself. Do you understand? Yeah. Good. Now, I don't want to have to remind you a second time. Just stay clear of this area. With that harsh lighting. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's something when you have white walls, you're kind of stuck with it. There is one other thing. Well, we've seen this camera angle about six times already, and we're only 15 this minutes into the movie. Oh, but don't worry, I, this was back when you could still buy fake guns at a toy That's store. Right. I think that one was $5, but yeah, it was a cap pistol. <laughs> I, like I mean, they had much more authentic looking ones, but they were 30 bucks, and you know, not on this budget. Well, now we get to meet Kevin's friends for the first time, a pretty motley crew. Yeah, much like the movie studio lot, I just used that 18mm fisheye lens for establishing shots. Boy, that door is burning out with too much light. Not now. Your friends are here. There's Amy, his frigid girlfriend. That magazine's funny, Education of a Call Girl. My very first feature, Blood Theater. Mary Warnoff's reading it in the office. I always thought it was a great prop. It actually reappears in Vice Academy also. I did the running theme of my early movies. I mean, the actual movie he rents, I think, is Blood Theater, which is my first feature here. So, of course, it is funny in the widescreen version. You can't even see the box cover of what the movie was. Uh, there's that van. It's, it's funny because one or two shots into the day, the gas pedal broke. So, again, the same four crew people who opened the vault door are hiding behind the van, dragging it to make it look like it can park. As I was really fond of Daphne's clothing, one of my favorite looks that I think makes women look really stupid is the Valley Girl look. That look had been out of style for at least five or six years. I just thought it was really funny. And of course, Daphne has two outfits in the film. I mean, the pink one and the green one, which kind of matches the lighting color scheme. That was a famous song when this movie came out. Originally, we only chose this house for the exteriors, but 
you know, after shooting 18 hours one day, we kind of didn't have time to go to a different location, so we wound up using the interior also. And, I mean, the place was so... We had no art department on this movie, so basically white couch and white walls and no artwork. And, you know, I remember looking at this going, ugh. So one of the few reasons that having your characters wear really bright colored clothing, at least it distracts you a little bit from the background that looks like a photo set. This was another scene Mystery Science Theater removed the very first time Kyle makes his, his Fantasia phone sex call. actually designed the ad for Fantasia. Of course today would be 976 skank. I don't even know if 976 numbers are still popular, but at the time we shot this movie, phone sex was really popular. Yeah, same location as before. dialogue here. And when the lights go down, drop your pants and show me a <laughs> His faces were really funny. Block the projection Next, pull me down and roll me on those sticky floors. Lick that artificial butter flavor off my body. Oh. That was a last minute joke we threw in the hole, please, to make it even less erotic. Just the embarrassment of someone walking in on you when no, you're listening to phone sex or date. You should be on the computer looking at a porn website. It's, it's just beyond humiliating. Especially when you can lie your way around it. It's even better. I think I did invest $1.95 to actually call the cheapest ad of a sex line in the paper just to hear what it really sounded like, just to get the exact tone down when we actually did Fantasia's scene. Oh, those pink shorts, you know, matches the color scheme. It was just ironic. The actor who plays Kyle actually owned a pair of pink shorts. And Amy's wearing green, so yeah, we really overdid this color scheme. Well, Amy's at the beginning of her badgering. Go on, I know you can do it. Look, I said I wasn't interested, okay? Come on. No oh boy. Funny those two garden tools weren't there a couple minutes ago, but Oh, this garden tool fight. This is possibly considered one of the worst scenes in the movie. It's definitely the worst scene that doesn't feature the puppets. 
This was something the distributor asked for. The entire character of Nick was not in this script. There was originally only four of them. And just for foreign sales, trying to give the film more of an action quality, they suggested an army guy. And they actually wanted some kind of combat scene early in the movie. And because we never see Nick actually in the army, I couldn't figure out what level of combat scene we could do. So yeah, they just, this seems so ludicrous. They just fight with these two garden tools. And I was always proud of the editing of this. Again, the last of my film school like, learning that was still in the movie. This was only a one minute scene. That was actually where it ends. And unfortunately the movie ran seven minutes short and the distributor put a minimum running time in my contract. So I had to go back and pad the movie about five to six minutes and, and stretch the end titles. So yeah, even though Kevin's supposed to be knocked down once, he gets knocked down a total of three times and this one minute scene runs three and a half minutes even though it seems more like 10. Of course, the composer's having fun with those Casio hits. It's very rare that I do handheld camera in my movies. I remember I actually had so little background in it. The couple shots that are handheld, I had the assistant cameraman shoot them because that camera weighs like 50 pounds. The actors rehearsed this one part like over and over again, like it was that difficult. Yeah, that's a man when you have a rake on your neck and you give up. I don't know which one's more ridiculous, Amy being embarrassed or Daphne being so proud of the victory of fighting with the two garden tools. Oh, the actors hate this scene where they go in the van and yeah, there's four people hiding behind the van getting ready for this gag. One of my all-time favorite movies, Hollywood Boulevard, which inspired me to be a filmmaker. They do this exact same gag where two people go in a van and it's the exact same I call it Dino on the trampoline from the Flintstone sound effect, but I did kind of steal this joke from another movie. What do you want me to do for you? I want you to make me proud. <laughs> I thought this was funny. It has a bra in his mouth. What's the matter? Funny how that golf cart magically shows up when we need it. Really I had to put the golf cart into the movie for no particular reason other than the only way we could possibly show the hobgoblins fleeing the movie studio because beyond the fact that they can't move, they certainly can't run, was just to put them in a golf cart and just to have them like drive off. So we kind of need to establish a thing earlier. I don't want to tell you what's the exact problem. Well, we've got this friend who's in the army. Of course, we're already one-third into this movie and nothing particularly has happened yet. I couldn't do all the things that he can. I see. Did I ever tell you what I did when I was in the army? No. It's also a long story. Uh-oh. The 
looks like we've got company. And there's Ken Abraham. This is the first movie I worked with him. He wound up being the lead in, I think, five of my movies. So it's just the irony that um, a lot of times actors who have small roles for me do wind up playing the lead in a lot of future projects. This was really funny. I mean, the dolly couldn't go very fast, so we tied a rope to the golf cart and just pulled it with the dolly. So, I mean, it's going. <laughs> Let's just say you could walk faster than that thing's moving here. I should have stained the camera on a TV screen because I wanted that shot to look really cheap. The sun was already coming up. You can see on the left side of the screen, it's no longer nighttime. Kevin's angle, it's still nighttime. Get away from it. I was wondering if the people at the crack house heard our pop gun go off and <laughs> think it was some extra added gunfire. Yeah, the car in the background probably just bought some drugs. Go on, use all your might. Fire that starter pistol. I was always really glad it had that little poof of smoke. It was too cheap of a gun to actually have any kind of, you know, slight firepower, but at least the smoke showed something went off. I just wish Amy could have been here to see what I just did. One of his whiniest lines in the whole movie. What do we do now? I'm going to call the police. Try to locate where he is, but keep a distance from him. Don't try to be a hero. And be careful of that film vault. Here's the tenth time we've seen this camera angle. In case you're wondering, yes, Hopgoblins was shot in one week. You can practically count it was one location per day, though. Club Scum was two days. This is the most film school of all the shots in the movie. The glass window we can look through. I guess I'm sure to clean some of the fingerprints off it first. You can see the gel we taped over the fluorescent light on this ceiling. It's fallen off here. Uh, I don't think I caught it in time. But we were, I, I was, we didn't have the budget to go back and reshoot something like that. But literally, I think when I called action, the thing fell off. You can see it here when he, <laughs> he dips down. I mean, it's completely off the light. <laughs> yeah, why don't we just rack focus and make it look even more predominant? Know the drama of a Radio Shack flashlight. Actually, that was a walkie-talkie. I've been awake too many hours watching this movie. It's funny, this bank, even 20 years later, it still never reopened. So, 
you know, I guess they pay their mortgage renting it out as a film location, but it does appear in a lot of features. Again, here's the four people on the floor. He really had trouble with this thing. He didn't want to budge. I don't think the crew's helping very much. It's like a fast walk. So it is interesting. There's both directions lead to the film vault. They either walk away from it or they walk towards it. A lot of people have pointed out that Kevin opens that door more than once. See? <laughs> I never caught that in the editing. You know, we're less than a minute away from seeing the puppets. This scene's funny because Kevin actually looks really quick when he runs in here and there's like two feet till he hits a wall. So I was always surprised how he was able to do that. Well, here we go. It was the first time we see the puppets getting our money's worth out of that golf cart. What's going on? Now, it never occurred to me when we shot this scene, at least on the close-ups, to put someone's arm inside one of those puppets. So, yeah, I mean, the funny thing is the driving shot, the wide one, there's a guy hiding on the floor just pushing the gas pedal, and he had no, he could not see where he was going, so that thing is truly driving wildly, and the actors are on the verge of being hit by it a couple times. And, um, this actual take right here, the thing swerved and ran into the camera, I had to jump off the dolly to get the shot. Here's the really long, slow, ponderous flashback scene. This is always a really bad sign in a movie. The exposition of particularly taking so long to explain a key point of the script. I tried. All my work, 30 years I've been trying to prevent this from happening. To, to prevent what from happening? Those creatures, why, why do you think I spent the last 30 years of my life here. I was keeping them from escaping. You know, I was young when I began to work here. And the studio was, was busy and prosperous. I always remember the night that it happened. It I remember we got that car from rent of 50s. To give you an idea how cheap it was, it was only $30. The thing was in such good condition, I was more nervous driving it to set. Flashing light from the sudden explosion. Now there's a little flyer to visit. That was my second movie. There was no one else there except for me. In the making of documentary, everybody talks about the scene that makes them cringe the most. This is the scene that makes me cringe the most. Because the puppets look so incredibly cheap. This is closer to how the actor of Megan Creedy looked. We darkened his hair for the I sent someone else out to rent the spaceship. I was, I was mortified by how she got looked. And there was no way we could hide anyone in there to operate the puppets. So this to me is the worst puppet scene in the movie, particularly the way that lid just opened on the spaceship. We just have a fish in the water. Uh, 
only I'd known what lay Yeah, it is true. Whatever scene makes you cringe when you shoot the movie makes you cringe 20 years later. But I still don't understand. I let the creatures live on the lot. It was my secret. Make a person really overdid his eyebrows on this. Had. I still don't know if they figured they were doing good for people or not. They slowly began to destroy everyone on the lot. They would find a person, tap into his brain, and then create his wildest fantasy. It seemed harmless at first. I mean, remember watching this everyone around just me becoming on rich and on and on. And in the reaction shots, okay, Kevin's just so blank faced. What they looking. really want in life can be very dangerous. In fact, the creatures wound up destroying everyone, everyone they came in contact with. They're loose in the city now. But you could warn everyone. They'd listen to your story. Would they? No one believed me 30 years ago. I went straight to the head of the studio and tried to explain it to him. When I wrote the original script, I couldn't actually decide where the hobgoblins came from. People I mean, technically, I probably didn't even need to explain where they came from. I just thought the outer space gimmick was kind of corny. You know, it does play for many laughs throughout the movie. With them now, but you might still have a chance. There aren't very many of them, but they move quickly. Just remember, they're attracted to bright lights. That's how you can fight them. This was one of the gags I did, because obviously the film is heavily borrowed from Gremlins. The Gremlins don't like bright light, but the Hobgoblins are attracted to it. I always thought that was kind of funny. When this happens, the creature is never far away. Kevin's still trying to find an emotion here. He's like listening for two minutes straight without a line of dialogue and just trying to vary any expression he has. Now remember, they're only attracted to bright light. That's how you find them. This shot's a really you good example of how little lighting we use to shoot the movie. Okay, Most films would have a 5,000 or a 10,000 watt lamp illuminating this. That's the actual light. Watch when he turns the headlights on how bright it is. We're shooting with about 8 foot candles at light. So, I mean, even simple things like people opening their car door, it illuminates the whole screen. Yes, I was very proud of that colored record. This scene was funny because I just told him to dance as poorly as possible. I remember we're shooting this scene. I think we were there till 4.30 in the morning. And again, I can only imagine what the neighbors thought of just the hours of people dancing under those bright lights. This is actually the very first shot we did in the movie. Uh, two actors with each of them have two puppets that are operating. Their heads are buried in the ivy trying to get that shot. I always thought it looked kind of cool. You know, there's the walk like the Egyptian. I always like that gag where she raises her skirt. I always thought, I seem to remember she came up with it on her own and she seems to remember that I told her to do it. So I'm probably going to go with her version of the story. I just thought it was made like she was in heat and that was her way of showing it. This is one of those horror movie gags they always do. The idea of just, you know, you hear something outside and instead of staying safely inside the house, you go outside and you always go, who's there to make sure you tell the killer where you are. So I just thought the scene was humorous because I tried making these characters as stupid as possible. 
Because one of the one of the things that only makes a horror movie work is having everyone be incredibly stupid. And this film really takes the cake in that department. I always thought it was funny that you know I, I gave Kyle a mark of where to dance, so just to make sure you could see him through this whole scene. They're actually dancing with no music whatsoever, but you know it still seems to line up. There's something really cheap looking about the whole idea that she would be like six inches away from the, the creature and not even be aware of it. That screen's not in the original version of the film, that was only in the foreign version. So even she's enjoying the education of the call girl. Poor actress here. This is again 4 a.m. in the morning, rolling on the cold, wet grass with that bucket. I remember just the dirty look she gave me when I asked for one more take. I get a lot of mileage out of those garden tools, so it was a good thing we established them in the first 10 minutes of the movie. I think this is my favorite scene where someone kills one of the puppets. Just the brutality that it's been dead after the first five stabs with the hoe, and it just keeps going on and on and on. Daphne's sash will jump around the continuity. I think it's up here and it'll be down in like the next couple shots. This is another shot that always makes me cringe, the way the puppets just throw on her. It was funny because I actually watched Ghoulies before I shot this movie. And the puppet effects were so cheap in the Ghoulies, I didn't really think ours were much worse, but apparently they were. Here I just we tied the puppets to the actors with fishing wires so they couldn't drop them. That was the one shot where the gas pedal was broken on the van and we just had to have everyone drag that thing into the shot. That's pretty kinky. I always think it's bad. Whenever they appear, they're always you know, in front of or behind something where like the operator can hide. Something that really wouldn't have hurt this movie was having the true puppet operator. The puppet on the right's really animated because the guy didn't put his arm far enough in it, so it isn't inside the neck. And I mean, if you watch, the puppet's head almost gets torn off in this one shot. This was one of the really corny jokes I was always embarrassed of later, just, you know, someone who just keeps a hand grenade with him at all times. And of course, I don't remember where I got that grenade from, the pin was already missing. Again, you can see how little light we had in this movie. Watch when he opens the car door. That's a little tiny flashlight bulb inside the car. It's lighting up the entire screen. Of course, Kevin knows you get a light switch. One of the lights goes off. 
Mystery Science Theater. Look at nothing. Look at nothing. That's exactly what they were doing. This is funny. The actual shot of the van he just closed in that one. It's two different locations. So out of nowhere, you can see a garage wall behind it. You guys okay? Yeah, I'm just peachy. And everything under control. Good. Then you can finish out your van. <laughs> kind of a replay of the exact shot we had before where the camera rolls towards them. I always like this one. It just has that kind of a Scooby-Doo quality of opening the door and looking around. You know, there's probably trouble inside. What were those things? It's a long story. What they do to your body is nothing compared to what they do to your mind. I don't have to worry about that. Are you sure you're all okay? I mean, this is one of the scenes where the characters are like dumber than even yeah, usual. I was only kidding. And none of you have a desire to do anything you've never done before, right? I don't think there's anything left that we haven't done before. How about you, Amy? Well, actually, I did want to try this new Chinese restaurant that I heard about. Kyle? Could I use your telephone again? I want to call my girlfriend. You still haven't met this mystery girl of yours. What kind of relationship do the two of you have? Uh, I, I guess you'd say it's a fantasy relationship. Here we're getting our money's worth out of that dolly. So even though we've just pulled out, now we're pulling all the way back in. See, Daphne's outfit jumps around from shot to shot. I don't think the skirt was that pulled out a minute ago. There's no way the puppet fingers could actually open the car doors. <laughs> That's why we had to pan off of it. Again, that white wall house. And I mean, I don't know why to think of a colored light bulb. Just anything to break it up. Even the telephone's white. I don't remember how many digits he dialed, but it certainly wasn't seven. Hi, it's me, Fantasia. Thanks for calling. This one's actually based on that $1.95 call I made to the phone sex line. The woman who was doing the call, she kept putting her hand over her mouth and trying to play two different characters. And it was really laughable, and I remember thinking, you know, I can borrow this from the movie. Oh, see if you can find it. I think you better come back to my office. This scene was funny because Tammy playing Fantasia. Are the majority sure of the lines written here, outfit? she did not want to say. They were all really Mr. humiliating. Show me some crabs. I can see without a microscope. Mr. Giraffe, teach me how to swallow. I have a new house pet for you, miss. <laughs> she wouldn't say those, but she'll do this one. I can never take a cockatoo that size. I do like the record scratch noise used frequently in this movie. Your door. Much like Daphne, here's another character. The puppet can be six inches away and <laughs> he's not aware of it. This was another film school gag effect we did on lights where you would take a black flag and just drag it across the light to make it appear. 
I just like the county, so. Originally, I approached Angeline, this overage, over silicone, Where's LA Kyle? fake celebrity, and she actually, she's only willing to play herself in a movie. She couldn't be fancy. Did you guys see where so. he went? Again, I oh. mean, and she isn't capable of memorizing dialogue, so it was just as well we used someone else to play the part. I go all the way on the first date. My kind of woman. My place or yours? Neither. We'll go to Reputation Road. I'll Reputation try. Road, I kind of named it. It was based on that place on Happy Days. They called Inspiration Point. I wanted something that sounded just as seedy. I love the way she poses here while she's waiting for the car door to open. And his Pee Wee Herman run. Do we have some time to get Pop Rocks and whipped cream? I was like Just this one, the person the hiding in the backseat with a puppet. Reputation Road, here we come. That's actually a mistake. You can see on his face that he's a witch. Again, I left it. Amy, quick, where's Reputation Road? They're all just standing out of nowhere. Daphne, where's Reputation Road? Uh, you go down to the end of the street, make a right, go through two traffic lights and up the hill, and there it is. Uh, so I've heard. Daphne's That's an expert in honor. I don't have like time to explain about scum are located. I've got to go across town and get Kyle. I want the rest of you to stay here. Don't make a move or do anything. And above all, don't fantasize about anything. Wow, the number of times that garden tool appears throughout this movie. I don't, again, I don't think it was there when he drove up. Of course, that's the actor's own car. I think the van's the only one that actually didn't belong to one of the actors that belonged to one of the crew people. It's involving the number three. Originally I wanted the shot where the wind blows the newspaper onto her face and much like the puppet being thrown on someone, we tried it several takes. It looked so stupid. <laughs> I just decided not to use it. I always like the way in my early oh, films, the cars never driving no, anywhere. We're just shaking. Because <laughs> it's so non-convincing. I you're a great cook, and I just know my mom. I mean, she looks decapitated by where the lights in her me? neck. Skip the ceremony. We're going straight to the honeymoon. I remember telling the actors, drive as fast as you feel safe, and of course they're driving oh, on the wrong side of the street. Baby, I could watch you all night long. I love the hair rake. There's something just so trashy about ratting your hair with one of them. Now hurry. I know a shortcut. At least I got my nose with any sound That was just lucky that car drove by right as he turned the wheel, so you know it kinda gave that one almost looks like he's really driving. Again, this is existing light. <laughs> it's so over the top the way they're trying to drive. Oh, don't park here. I remember I really wanted to. Why not? 
to really show that one shot of the view. The and of edge. course, it's just it's so uninteresting when they're talking and you see the back the of the car. Oh yeah, sure. This was hard because this entire area is so tiny to try to establish three different spots. They're only about five feet apart from each other. How's that? Perfect. This was on Mulholland. Again, yeah, the place is usually locked I at night. I don't remember exactly. I think we just got lucky it was unlocked. There isn't. <laughs> and of course, we shot almost till dawn. There's a lot of funny stories well, uh, in this one location. There's no, no porta potty. So the actress playing Fantasia had to pee in the bushes. And the lights are powered. It was this kit, it was 12 car batteries that she would charge overnight. I, I remember when I plugged them in, the thing art, because I was standing in a puddle. So, you know, you I could have lost my life for art on this movie. Now, isn't that a This line of dialogue was written for a really busty oh, actress sure like Angeline, is. so it kind of loses the punch here, but it's still a funny know? line. Wait a second. Those gold spandex pants Watch are funny. The they actually were used Just originally in Blood Theater. And get ready for the ride this is such a nasty story. <laughs> the actress who wore them in Blood Do Theater had a yeast infection. They had to be dry cleaned three times to get it out. So the pants appear again in Visitants and in Hobgoblins. I think I retired them, though I have kept them for 20 years. And yeah, they reappear again in the sequel to Hobgoblins. She always hated this one shot because the camera's right on her butt. Again, another shot where no one's really operating the puppet. I mean, we're just trying to like prop it up over the side. The only motion it has is when its, it's nose got stuck on, on the side. This is actually really hard. You can see the curbs right there. That car's not going too far. agility getting out of a car and holding a garden tool at the same time. This was a weird bit of does he see her or not. So I figured yeah he sees her for now until the creatures. This is my personal favorite shot of the puppet in the whole movie because we're actually fanning it. That's the very first shot we did. You can see how new the puppet looks. So I just thought it was a better shot. This is about two minutes later and how bad it looks. And, this I wanted a much more elaborate effect and it didn't turn out right and I didn't have the time to go back and reshoot it, so me, it's just a cheap dissolve. Oh, damn fool! What are you doing here? Hey, I want you to meet my girlfriend, huh? Wait until you see her. Fantasia? Honey? Kyle, there's no girl. She was a figment of your imagination. No, she's not. This is funny. It's that same gimmick of the people hiding behind girl. the car pulling it. This time the car almost jumped the curb. It was <laughs> We actually had to call. I made. I had to yell stop, stop, because the thing almost kept going off over the cliff. Here's that famous stock shot. When you buy a stock shot, they never tell you what kind of car it is. It does change from a station wagon to a sedan. Yeah, the color's right. When the movie was first completed, everybody assumed that was a matchbox car. And the whole thing was, you know, with lighter fluid. But it's interesting that 20 years later, everyone can, you know, everyone knows it's a stock shot. Most movies you see always have a stock shot in them. They're just kind of a little better match than this one.
I assume he left the garden tool at Reputation Road because I think we've seen it enough. I'll discuss my phone bill with you later. This was a scene we tagged in later, and again, that's the third different wall change behind the van, even though the van's still parked in the same spot. There would not really be a wall there for the things on the street. This was a hard scene to light, because we could only aim the light in through the windows, and it wound up flaring in most of the angles. This is a dangerous scene, is using that real socket wrench, which is heavy. And, I mean, just the careful aim not to hit the actor or the camera. The puppet operator here, I mean, he wasn't expecting the thing to be bashed that hard and his arms inside there, and he was like in pain. The creatures broke loose, are you guys okay? I always thought this was funny. I mean, they barely have a few minutes by themselves and they're already doing it again. This time not in a van. I think that's the second of the third time of the three times in the movie they do it. What's the big deal? I've been there before. You guys, don't you understand? These creatures have a power. They can tap into your brain and sense the things that you really want to do. What's wrong with that? They also try to kill you. I just chased Kevin's always so hyper serious and so <laughs> always plays really poorly. Still burning now. You see what I'm trying to tell you guys now? Here's another one of those continuity errors that Daphne's fixed herself and put her belt back where it belongs instead of wearing it like a Girl Scout sash. And watch, all of a sudden it's back over her shoulder again. <laughs> See, a real budget film, they would have hosed down the street with a water truck because it always looks more professional and you get a lot more reflection of the light. It just happened to start raining on us when we were doing this shot, so we kind of got a free lit street. Um, it's raining on the actors right here. The lighting's not very good because this was the third light in a row. The water actually fried and it shorted out on us. This was kind of our final light. And I just propped it where it was underneath an awning, but at the same time, it's really ugly and glaring on the actors. Well, every movie I have something called the most annoying extra award of just one extra who has a really small part and is so bad and overacted that they totally ruin a scene. And now there he is on the left. Now he gets his line up. Can't even get the switchblade to open. It took like three or four takes. It's funny they lose all their wallets, but a couple minutes later they're going to be asked for their ID and they still have them. They just crew people mostly. There's Dwayne Whitaker, who later appears in Pulp Fiction. Where do you guys think you're going? He is not particularly fond of this movie. <laughs> I always like the hair being put on Pixie. I remember the makeup artist. It was the day before six hours we could hear a can of hairspray going to get that wig tall enough. The character is based on a couple years before John Waters did Hairspray. He wrote an article called The Nicest Kids in Town, which was about 
uh, the Buddy Dean show, which eventually became uh, the Corny Collins show on Hairspray. And there was one of the dancers was named Pixie, who had the tallest hair. And it's an urban legend that roaches lived in her hair and nested and ate her brain and she died, which was never true. So I named the character Pixie. It was supposed to be based on that. I do think the wig turned out really good. The actress playing Pixie originally read for Amy, and I could tell she was not happy getting a lesser role. Even her two earrings are the purple and green, so I mean, everything matches. This is obviously Daphne's favorite club. Everyone's on a first name basis with her. A lot of people don't get the big Latin joke. Are you guys your friends at Daphne's? Go for it, knock yourselves out. It was funny when everyone gets stuck on that cheap tinsel curtain. Do you guys see her anywhere? Just sit down for a staring at us. Again, we really couldn't afford extras for this, so I think there's like three or four extras and we're showing the widest shot of the club and <laughs> there's no one there. Oh. There's Darren Norris. I used him again in Vice Academy a year later. He actually went on. He's semi-famous today, so yeah, there is an irony of the actors with the smaller roles somewhat became famous when the middle leads went on to do another movie after this. Oh, I'm sorry. This was shot as a pickup day and Daphne forgot her necklace and I think her pin's in a different spot than it usually is, so it'll jump back and forth several times. And here we are with no extras in the club, <laughs> just moving those two or three people we have and trying to fill some space. This was a pretty nasty line of dialogue. This got cut for the TV broadcast. Carpet burns on her knees. <laughs> it's always funny to me which lines the actors are willing to say. Again, this character is very Pee Wee Herman inspired. I really had Dwayne play Road Rash, kind of the way John Belushi's character was in Animal House. Get off the stage, idiot! It's funny the distance throw people get on those cans. Oh, the Fontanelles. I guess you could call them one-hit wonders, and they never got a recording deal. They took themselves very seriously. They brought all their own costumes. I remember the lead singer with the beret. I'm thinking I wish you brought a second costume choice. Between when we shot this scene and the movie was released, one of the band members had left. So he's telling me, well, even though we shot it with five, try to make it look like there's only four of us. Um, again, I shot so little coverage of the song that you know, I don't think we had much of a choice. So 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. I mean, it's a master and a close-up of the lead singer and a bunch of reaction shots of, of Kevin and his friend and Pixie dancing. But I don't think she's really dancing to the beat of the song. I love 60s dances, they're all so stupid. <laughs> And at least we got use of the club's lighting, so and it does give a little production value, which the film has so little of. People always ask where did I find the Fontanelles. A friend of mine actually knew them when I went to a club to see them perform. It was kind of I needed a band for the film, and they were the only band I actually knew. So they were all excited about this. I think they were trying to make a music video out of this one song. But, uh, not much happened with him. I just thought he had kind of a boy George quality. And again, they're thrown in for no reason. I always like the idea that she gets to dance, then she has to run back and work as a bar waitress. Get you guys something to drink here? Maybe later. There's a two drink minimum here. Look, we're all underage, okay? Although they're all underage, they all look close to 30. <laughs> Scum just couldn't function without someone to announce all the acts. Everyone was really surprised at Amy's transformation. It's actually a really good look for her. I mean, that ratted hair with the glitter sprayed into it was pretty funny. I thought this was funny, the idea that her uptight boyfriend's in the audience mortified by her performance. Instead, there's someone who keeps telling him to sit down.
part our crew and part some of the same actors playing other roles. I love that way he grabs it. Did that on one take even. Bet you showed her how to do that, huh, Daddy? His facial expression is funny here. Well, what do you think, folks? Is she a hit or a miss? Even I laughed at that joke. I forgot the S. Pixie and Kyle just add love that part where they're groping each other. <laughs> I have a really bad sense of screen direction. It was just fortunate. This is one of the few times the actors really look like they're staring at each other. She did the shot really well. I just kind of let it run for almost a minute. I thought his reactions were really funny. for the degrading dialogue again. Here's possibly the all-time most degrading line of dialogue in the entire movie. Riding a motorcycle is like sitting on the world's largest vibrator. That's all he needs to hear. He actually walked her all the way back to the door and they almost fell over several chairs, so I never used the full angle. Amy Sincere is only my stage name. Do you want to know my real name? Tell it to me on your knee, baby. Break it off, you two! I'm not into the numbers. It's getting seedier and seedier. I think it's funny how he gets gradually more drunk. Would you guys stop sitting there and help me? And this was a pickup day. The original actor who was playing Sergeant Parker didn't show up, so we had to go back and shoot this a couple months later. So again, Daphne's necklace will jump on and off between shots. It was funny, we shot the scene with the stuntman two months before we shot the scene with the actor playing the character, so 
it did kind of limit. I had to get someone the exact height and build as the stuntman. But actually, we match really well. I see. Sort of a marauding attack. Yes, sir. I believe that we need to stage a diversion. Product, losing command here. Yours, sir. Then I'll make the decisions. We need to stage a diversion. And I have just what you need. I thought he did really well as his character. And here in the background is the third of the Fontanelle songs we use. Nobody remembers the second and third and fourth ones we use, but I mean, they kind of play nonstop while they're in the club, and we use another one during the end credits. Two of the cheapest puppet shots, particularly this one. I don't know what we're thinking there. <laughs> no clue what to do. And I didn't even bother with take two. This again, that same annoying extra doesn't know how to tip a table over. It he does, just overacts something as minimal as just kicking a leg out. This was funny because originally these two didn't have a fantasy. The fantasies were always difficult to write. I just thought it was funny that you know even these two were able to get some kind of mileage out of a fantasy. Of course, it's all shot on one angle. Did I ever tell you that I was a, a talent scout for a major motion picture studio? Did I ever tell you I've always been attracted to men of your stature? Oh, Pixie. Pixie. I was always amazed they were able to make it to the ground and back without that wig falling off. This wasn't much of a way to kill a pup. It's probably the weakest one. That's the same sound effect if you ever listen to those Disney books as a child. Whenever you hear that noise, that means turn the page. This is very inspired. <laughs> Never being hot and heavy, these two never get very far. In the only film I ever did these explosions, the actors are terrified here, they're gonna get hurt. extras are pretty scared too because they're really close to the explosion. There's a springboard to throw these actors in the air. It's very grindhouse. It's all that shot. It's me faking my orgasm for you. Here's my favorite effect, the one dollar explosion. That's just a piece of flash paper I held in front of the lens. There's other explosions for a couple hundred each, so I figured we might as well save money on We had two cameras, so every time someone's thrown in the air, you're gonna see it at least twice, because <laughs> I use both angles.
This is funny, because it's a tiny little area all these people run into, and several of them got injured in this one shot. <laughs> Not the way the band members are running out with their instruments. someone pulled their hand out of that puppet. And those red cheap plastic tablecloths. A lot of them melted every time every time we did those explosions they would catch on fire. We had one breakaway bottle so we had to get that really quickly. Hey look, there's Amy! Amy, oh. are you okay? I'm not sure why am I dressed like a rock video slut. Such a corny dialogue. That's a pretty famous look in the '80s, the rock video slut. You there? Name, rank, serial number. Don't shoot me. I'm just an employee. I don't even book the talent here. Sergeant, can't you stop him? Why? This is the best training he's ever had. Never get this at boot camp. You call that training? He could kill somebody. War isn't pretty. Daphne and Nick are still inside. We gotta try and help them. Wait. I have a special mission for you. You do? This was always tricky because for some reason Daphne was the most difficult one to write a fantasy for. Mostly because she's done everything already. She actually has the nastiest of all the fantasies, you know. <laughs> Something that I think in certain movies you'd call pulling train. I'll do it. Good. You can start right away. I've got a truckload of soldiers out in the parking lot. If you start now, you can be finished with them by morning. What? She's the only one who doesn't really like her fantasy, too, which is kind of funny. His look is very Rambo-inspired. I think we actually bought the Halloween costume called Rambo to get those cheap bullets strapped across his chest. This is the one and only time I ever lit anyone on fire in a movie. And it was just not something I would ever do again. In my body and soul, I reuse the same stock shot. Stuntman really didn't bring a second change of clothes, so obviously he's wearing a white helmet <laughs> and a black jumpsuit. So it doesn't particularly match what Nick was wearing. And yeah, that is the famous scene, we lit the nightclub ceiling on fire <laughs> doing that one shot. And of course, no permit, no fire marshal. Oh, one of the cheapest shots in the whole movie of the puppets. That's kind of redundant, and I say that like six times in this film. I always like that one shot because all the other times the actors are jumping on the springboard, and I kept saying, you don't need to jump on it, just stand there. And they kept saying it wouldn't work, and I said, let's just do one take where you just stand on it. And I thought I had the most natural look of all of them. I thought this was a pretty corny joke. A real soldier always dies with his boots on. That's all that's left. 
In the actual script, Nick does die at this point. But the actor who played him wanted to make a return in the last reel, so... In a way, it's a good thing he doesn't die because it keeps them all intact for part two. I forgot which which crew person had to glue those letters on the wall. I always like the name Club Scum. It really just gets the point across. There's that bad extra again. Oh, sorry. I want you to know that I'll always be there for you. Well, you know, no one's ever really noticed me before like that. I mean, I've always just been thought of as Daphne's friend. This is the first time somebody came up to me like that. I kind of liked it. Amy, I meant what I said. I'm going to prove it to you. Again, another continuity issue. Kevin has his jacket back on and Amy should be wearing it. And by the time I figure it out, we just shoot the close-up where we flip it. <laughs> that was a hard shot to get. There was not enough light to get the puppets. I don't remember how we did that one. I think, again, the sun was coming up. Where is he? Mr. Comstock, I wasn't sure we'd still be here this late. And I'm on my way out the door. What do you want now? The creature. Again, the guy on the left is doing his frozen eyeline where it looks, kind of reminds me of the Mr. Lincoln attraction at Disneyland. <laughs> it just has that glassy stare like he's a robot. I'm glad you still remember about that. How could I forget that nonsense? Then get out of here and get back to work. But you don't understand. They broke loose tonight. They're out there somewhere in the city. I already sent the other guard out to try to find them. What? You mean there's no one manning the front gate right now? No, sir. This is preposterous. You do know that if something were to happen to this studio while no one was on duty, our insurance will refuse to pay off? Yes, sir. Well, then get back on your post. You're not listening. I want to go out and find him. He must need my help by now. I'm not going to leave your job to go out and chase some foolishness. If you walk off this lot, you are fired. Good. I thought it had a great Scooby-Doo feel the way the van just pulls up right here like the mystery machine and you think the movie would be over yet but no there's still Kevin didn't get his fantasy in yet Mr. McCready? He brought his own nunchucks from home. One's rubber and one's real. I can never remember which one was which. Amy, this time I'm gonna make you proud. Other than the fact that he knew how to use them, I don't really know. Based on his character, why he'd be walking around with nunchucks. He did a lot of stunt playing, so actually choreographed the scene. Considering some of the bad scenes in this movie, I actually think the stunts look somewhat convincing here. You can see the big pad he has inside his leather jacket, so when he does the roll on the ground right here. 
He hasn't hurt himself as much. There it is. <laughs> That's why the pillows. Now that he's already done the throw, he can get rid of that pillow. I had all the right sound effects. Belly punch and chin sock. Shot. No, it's just McCready with the starter pistol. Not sure what animal noise that is. <laughs> the puppet dying right there. Again, there should have been an effect shot here, but it didn't work, so that's all we have. More of that look at nothing. Hurry, there isn't much time left. I always thought Amy's transformation was somewhat like Olivia Newton-John in Greece. I mean, she's only interesting when she's a slut. Let's go! Of course, Daphne is really proud of her transformation. <laughs> this is the only shot in the movie we got thrown out for not having a permit. I mean, I thought the place was closed and there was a security guard, so we got one take and he came outside and, you know, told us to leave. But, you know, I already got the one shot, so it didn't matter. <laughs> you to throw your life away the way I had to. There is a better way. Did you find them? Yeah, they're back inside the vault. What are you going to do to them? I don't know. This is quite a corny ending and an excuse for another stock shot, which I use again in another movie. Munitions. Yeah, mind, body, and soul. I flipped the shot the other direction, but yeah. You can see the sun's coming up on the, on the four actors there. Of course, no embers fall on them. <laughs> and the smoke's coming from the ground, even though the building that blew up is like third story above them. And this was tough. I wasn't able to get coverage because we were losing, instead of losing daylight, we were losing night. So there's only two angles, and surprisingly, they lined up pretty well. Now you can see it's, I think, 10 minutes before daylight by this shot. Daphne? Yeah. Originally I wanted the magician's flowers, the ones where you pull the string and they wilt. I thought it was kind of funny. Except they were like $25, so I just went with these cheap plastic ones instead. 
lots of things I can show you for the first time. And again, Nick originally doesn't come back here. This was the actor wanted to do it. And of course, my compromise was I wouldn't pay him for the day because it wasn't really necessary. But um, I wasn't sure what kind of makeup effect because it was just really corny. But I guess it works because he got blown out of his boots. But, you know, that full body burn probably would have affected his face. And then because this was all ad-libbed. You know, again, we went for the gag of the van scene, which that wasn't in the script. Yes, I, I realize what time and I wasn't certain how to get the last line of dialogue in here. But a lot of my films always end with one punch joke. And there's one coming up here. Yes, I realize about the insurance, but you fired me earlier. There was no one on duty when it happened. Uh, excuse me, sir. Can I use your phone? Well, that was our last joke to try to end this movie. Again, because the movie ran six to seven minutes short. Even the end credits, I used outtakes and tried to get an extra minute by throwing them in, in the mix. One of the jokes with this creature celebrity voices impersonated the actual voice of the hobgoblins. It's a pit bull, but it was interesting because it was a test recording for Gremlins. It was never used in the final movie, so it was just one more tie-in of the similarities we have between this film and the other one. There's the wider angle of that same shot. last film that is written, directed, produced, edited, and photographed by me. I would never milk the titles like that again. Nice to sit through the end credits without a cardboard cutout of me <laughs> being interviewed. That was always very humiliating. Well, the crew was really impressed with her butt, the way she looked in that outfit, and she was just not happy with the attention. There was some 60s dance show where you had to rate the songs as hit or a miss. I remember which one. That was a lucky match. Heart pounds through my chest and they have to be doing that gag. So yeah, there are four Fontanelle songs throughout the movie that people don't remember. I actually like this one the best of the four. Nobody, no one's as impressed with any of the songs compared to Kiss Kicker. The music machine, that's where we shot Club Scum. I bet they're thrilled. Of course, 
You can always tell the sign of a bad movie. It doesn't know when to end. It has like three endings. This is a joke in Fantasyland. That's what they always tell you at the end of each of the rides. Just remember, the next time you see a movie that's only rated PG, I want My first three features, they always have these intermission trailers. I probably would have used the joke in all my other films, but this is the last time we use it. And this is the end of Hobgoblins. I hope you enjoyed it.